Welcome into episode 10 of Free Ramble Men, a country music podcast with John Kerr and Stuart Banford. He's got a little smile I can see down the Zoom screen here. Stuarty, how's your week been? How's life been? Yeah, the volume's kicking in. Um, yeah, I'm sort of feeling festive. I'm not going to name names, but I have spent the whole morning driving turkeys around. I've turned into a delivery man. Turkey dealer. As I said to you before, my dad has a butcher shop. Some of my colleagues ordered turkeys, gammon, beef. I'm just rhyming out random meats now. Any other meats and, <laughs> and yeah, my life has come to the point now where I'm spending my time off driving around, meeting people, opening the boat, and there's just a big trunk full of meat. Supplemental income plans for 2023, I think, Stuart. So, all set for Christmas? I don't have an awful lot to buy this year. I'm just mum and dad, nieces and nephews, and then my brothers and sisters, we do a secret Santa. Am I all set for Christmas? No, I'm completely overwhelmed. Hold that thought. Are you set for Christmas then, John? <laughs> Thanks for asking, Stuarty. <laughs> oh my goodness, mate. I'm a little bit overwhelmed, to be honest. The podcast is the creative outlet. This is an outlet just to be able to talk freely. But doing a lot of presenting, a lot of broadcasting for the BBC over Christmas. Because it's Christmas night, I was told I could bring a family member on. So I'm bringing my dad on with me on Christmas night for two hours. Is it live? Pretty good. Live, yeah. He's sort of threatening not to speak, but I'm like, if I put up the theatre, you're going to have to speak, surely. He sort of jokes with me. Oh, it's not my first time on the radio or TV and all this. And I'm like, okay, okay. But no, look, we'll have a bit of crack. Can't overthink this. You know what I mean? It's going to be literally the best Christmas music for two hours on Christmas night. What isn't there to like? I have a feeling whenever you first interact with your dad on radio, you'll hear a definite difference in his voice, a very self-conscious <laughs> difference in his voice. Now, my dad is the extreme version of this. So my dad has like this transatlantic American thing going on. And I know him as like, you know, get down the stairs, you big loser. I wish you were never born. But, <laughs> but if he's in company or doing any sort of public speaking or on the telephone, or I would imagine on the radio, his voice goes to... um well, this is one of my favourites, and that would be great. And I'll see you around about 8 o'clock this evening. Sound good? Yeah, see you later. Later? What's later? You know? Oh, my days. Anyway, <laughs> Christmas night, presented with Dad. Looking forward to that. And I'm on a load after that. New Year's Day as well. So between that, presents, podcasting, everything going on, I'm like, yeah, a little bit overwhelmed, surely. A little bit overwhelmed. Um, so there's no real break here over Christmas. And I love having a break over Christmas because I genuinely do believe that family time and just time to reflect on the year past is so important. Also, presents still to wrap and so on. So a little bit overwhelmed is probably an understatement, to be fair. But is there not something um, special about, I mean, I said as somebody who doesn't do it, who deliberately books time off this time <laughs> of year, is there not something special about being on the radio at Christmas? There is. And you know what? I was on last night. I was able to play a lot of Christmas music and also a couple of country tunes as well. Broke it up a little bit and sort of tied them in with Brett Eldridge. As we know, Brett Eldridge is country music's very own Michael Bublé. Um, gosh, have you seen the reaction, by the way, to his glow tour? He's just selling out like Chicago and all sorts. Boston, I think it was. He was doing a couple of sort of double dates there. Yeah, tours with an orchestra. And you sent me a video earlier in the week of him performing in some gorgeous looking theatre. He's getting a standing ovation. And all I could think of was earlier this year when he played the Ulster Hall in Belfast, they about nine people. I was away as well. I would have loved to have seen that. I'm actually gutted. If I can have a regret of 2022, it's not being able to see Brett Eldridge, but I think I had good reason. That was in May, was it? May sounds about right. May sounds about right. I think I was in the States, you see. And consequently, I had two of the best experiences of the year and of my life. Didn't see Brett Eldridge at home, 
but I did get to see Don McLean and John Party at the Ryman and Grand Ole Opry, respectively, in Nashville. It was my first ever time. I know you'd said to me, we were at a, was it a Marin Morris gig at the Academy in Dublin? I remember you sort of talking to me about the idea of like, oh, you should come out to Nashville with me. And um, I was like, I've never been. I have these big ideas to make this first trip, you know, perfect and epic. And also, I kind of wanted to go with Rihanna because Rihanna, we met, you know, over our love of country music as the girlfriend. And uh, our first big America trip in the making together. We both love America. I've been plenty of times. Thank God. Very blessed that way. But uh, first time to Nashville. So we went out to Orlando for a few weeks. We went to Atlanta, went up through Georgia uh, to a little town called Lilburn which is her surname, which is which is pretty <laughs> epic. We got loads of pictures, souvenir pictures and so on of her with the signs. It was pretty cool. And uh, I also had the best meal of the entire trip in this little gourmet house in Lilburn, Georgia. It was amazing. Got this pork chop. Oh my goodness. I'm still thinking about it. Anyway. <laughs> if you like pork chops, you know, I'm your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. You did me a deal, will you? For your <laughs> 50? I've got about nine of them in the boot. So I'm trying to think geographically. We went up to Nashville and experienced Nashville. We had five days there. We experienced the hot chicken. We went to the pedestrian bridge, went to the Johnny Cash Museum, went to the Country Music Hall of Fame, we went to the Opry, the Ryman, saw Don McLean, saw John Party. It was all kind of based around that Don McLean concert. It was the 50th anniversary American Pie Tour. Don McLean's been a hero of mine my entire life since my dad and I, on the way to school, on the way home from school, would have his greatest hits American Pie, Castles in the Air, and I Love You So, Prime Time. I mean, so many good songs. Vincent, obviously. So many good songs on there. And uh, to have seen him in person, I'm really going off on a tangent here. What a signposter in Nashville. Literally left the concert for like five minutes just to run out and try and get it before they were uh, they disappeared. Got one of the final ones. It says 50th anniversary American Pie tour. Brought it back, got a frame, gave it to my dad. He was loving it. I genuinely, I remember thinking, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Judy, at a concert before. Because then I saw him in Dublin as well a few months later. Took my dad to this one, which was pretty great. Anyway, have you ever had one of these moments at a concert that you thought, I could die happy? I think because I spend most of my life sort of wanting to die. I think at a concert's <laughs> the only time when I sort of feel alive. Wow. Well, I had one of those moments, Don McLean. I just had one of those moments of, not that I've completed life, but like I took such a young memory. And I was getting a little bit emotional. I was just kind of tearing up and I was just thinking about it, like literally looking at this guy. And like, I think Don McLean's had his, you know, he's had a crazy life. He's had his ups and downs, his own personal ups and downs. But music connects beyond anything. So to have seen him on that 50th anniversary American Pie tour live at the Ryman Auditorium, the first time he'd ever played the Ryman Auditorium. My first time in Nashville, it just felt like such a kind of perfect life moment. Like I completed a thing in life, like I ticked the box. Got to see a Grand Ole Opry show, my first ever time as well, of course. What a show. So much more comedy than I expected. I don't know if we've ever spoken about this in the podcast. The Grand Ole Opry. If you have never been, go out of your way to go to Nashville just to go to the Grand Ole Opry. What a show. I get the tour after, of course, to see all the behind the scenes. Even the vibe, the look of the place, everything. You just feel like you've taken a step back in time. Funny, we went, I think it was... uh, I think it was back-to-back nights. I think we went to be on the, the 12th of May, I want to say, was the Don McLean gig, and be the 13th was the Grand Ole Opry, right? I think it was the director of the house band at the Grand Ole Opry was playing guitar for Don McLean the previous night. So it just goes to show you that these guys, these session musicians, well, and senior musicians uh, in Nashville, real household names, of course, um, they bounce around between gigs and get hired by the very best to put on the very best shows. 
the fact that it's live on radio and it's like what the oldest running radio show ever when it goes live there's a real excitement in the air absolutely like that's it it's all done as a live radio program so even like the commercial breaks and stuff when you have people coming in coming out onto the stage and reading ads for you know get your boots down at boot barn and save 15 percent off with opry 15 i have just noticed uh-huh. right that our screens look very similar right now i've got a, a photo over here behind me right it's the capitol building in washington dc right that's great i love it but let's talk about the one over your shoulder which you oh, just yes. got this week i'm just seeing a little garth brooks aiken promotions the best promoter of live music <laughs> in ireland yes aiken, you are the best Where's mine? <laughs> no they genuinely are i love their personal touch and uh they have a real passion for music particularly country music five nights of crook park garth brooks played so it's kind of a poster each night there's a lovely uh, message on it as well, like, you know, Stuart from Aiken, like, thanks for your help and support and all that sort of stuff. And I just think it's such a, a lovely touch. And I'll have that as long as I'm on this earth, that will be on a wall near me. Amen, man. That is class. That is class. I'm not even a little bit jealous. I'm a lot jealous, but um, <laughs> that is epic. And you know what? It's testament to your hard work. It's testament to your um, promotion that you, that you gave that gig. And, you know, I saw you down there, obviously, interviewing Garth. You went out of your way to go to the, the pressers to, to speak with them and ask questions and so on. And obviously, the gigs were incredible as well. So we got along to those. But um, something to cherish those nights at, at Crook Park. Epic gig. But yeah, look, I just went off on a bit of a tangent there. Classic podcast going off on a tangent. But I was just thinking about the experiences, you know, the highlights of 2022. I'm sure we would both say that Garth Brooks at Croke Park in Dublin was uh, was one, two, three, four, five of those highlights. And uh, from originally towards the end of last year, us getting to go to Croke Park and, as you say, interview Garth when he announced the shows, and then to go back again this year and uh, even be at the, the press conference before the final fifth show. And um, then do you remember we went into this bar that he and his crew had obviously been using within the venue Brooks Bar, and Brooks we got bar. a pint of Guinness, and there was Garth Brooks memorabilia on the walls. And um, do you remember the hype and the demand for all five of those shows? You thought you'd got a Wonka ticket if you were going to be at one. And then <laughs> I think I ended up at three of them. And my brother, yeah. my brother who lives in Dublin, I think he went to four of the five. That's mad, man. Uh, mad, it is. I mad. went to I went to two because I was kind of thinking, right, opening night. You want to be there for opening night. And then I went to opening night and I was like, gosh, I'd love to be there closing night. Yeah. But you know what was the thing? I went to the presser. He then started talking about which was his favorite night. And he said about Sunday. That was the one I didn't go to. And I was kind of going, are you kidding me? I went to the opening night. I went to the closing night. But your Sunday was your favorite? Just well, funny, Sunday night I was at, and I do think it was the best. And I think if Thanks, there was, there, no, no, I think if there was no curfew, he would have just kept playing all night. But what I will say is I woke up the morning of that so ill, but I went to that show. And even though like sweat was pouring off me, I still had everybody around me kept saying, are you all right? Single-handedly uh, responsible for the COVID <laughs> epidemic. And no, I did a COVID test, Ireland. so that was good. But the concert was unreal. Absolutely incredible. Um, I just remember what an epic moment it was because there was sort of a countdown clock on the side screens. You know, to put this in the context for our international listeners, this is a gig so, so long in the making. Garth Brooks has such a storied relationship with Ireland. The big thing was he was supposed to come back in, I think it was 2014, and there was a whole kind of debacle back and forth with the Crook Park residents uh, who didn't want 
so many gigs in however many consecutive nights and so on. It ended up never happening. So it added another eight years on to Garth Brooks' return to Ireland. And so this was long overdue. But anyway, the countdown finally came on the first night. And I just thought this was such an epic moment. Ten, nine, everyone's counting the whole way down. It was better than New Year. For flip's sake, I mean, New Year's always anticlimactic anyway. <laughs> but I got down to one. And then, of course, Garth has the exclusive partnership with Amazon, right? Amazon Music. And uh, it came on with... Alexa. And it was just the most epic thing. <laughs> Everyone's reaction, him coming out. Oh my goodness. Absolutely epic. You know, you're talking about the scale of those shows. 80,000 people over five nights. What's that? 400,000 people. And Amen. as we talked about with Brett Eldridge, country music gigs in Ireland, North and South can be hit and miss. And sometimes, you know, you're talking about superstars in the States and then they're playing venues over here that hold 500 people. And if it sells out, you're going, that's a, that's a triumph. So to walk out in Croke Park and every night see that amount of people at a country gig. You asked him a question in that final presser and uh, he was only taking so many. I didn't want to be that guy to divert the attention away from Garth Brooks because I was going to ask Garth if I was going to ask a question at all about Luke Combs. I told you this because he wrote, I think it was the foreword about Luke Combs kind of emergence into country music, him being an everyman and being adored by so many. It was around the time that Luke Combs, wasn't it? The news broke about him doing the SSE Arena gig next year. And in Ireland as well, now that Luke has come here and absolutely smashed C2C Dublin, if there's going to be a next Garth Brooks, it could only be Luke Combs. And so yeah. I wanted to ask Garth about this and even about his personal relationship with Luke. But again, didn't want to be that guy to divert attention away from Garth ahead of his final night at Croke, you know. So uh, maybe I regret it a little bit, maybe, but I also don't want to be that guy. So read the room, John. I kind of read the room, I thought. But also, I remember someone from Aiken handed me a microphone and I asked my question. And then I looked around as to try and give it back to her or pass it on to somebody else. And she had disappeared and nobody was showing a sign that they wanted to ask a question. So I just held on to this mic. And then as soon as he said, thanks for coming, everyone. You're so sweet. And then he walked out. I was surrounded by journalists going, why did you hog the microphone? I wanted to ask Garrett a question. And I was like, nobody put their hand up. Or, you know what I mean? just know what the question was going to be we sat in both pressers as well um i'm one to talk by the way as i as i have a joke at uh, other journalists expense but they just seemed to make everything about themselves it was like all right just calm yourself down do you know what i mean stop telling me about the bar that garth went into one time in his life 30 years ago you know and he was supposed to remember who the landlord was it's like no i don't know who it was anyway i asked him a, a question in the first press conference he looked me dead in the eye and then I forgot my question. <laughs> <laughs> you had your hand up that long that by the time he That's came to you, you'd forgotten it. Yeah, you're being nice to me. You're being nice to me. Do you know what? The most nervous I've ever felt for an interview. We obviously got the interviews subsequently after the first press conference and uh, the most nervous I've ever been, I think. There was a camera on me and we were kind of doing a bit for social media and so on as well. But yeah, definitely the most nervous I've ever been. We were waiting so long to do it. Um, we were right at the end as well. Uh, you and I and uh, and the rest of the sort of downtown and BBC ones, we were right at the end, which was grand, but it built to a big ending. And uh, yeah, I normally just keep it like a conversation, but I was very, okay, I'm only getting so long. I was a little bit disappointed by the way as well that it, I think I ended up only getting about four minutes with him. 
I mean, there were so many journalists. So whenever you had the guy's attention, you knew that everybody was waiting to speak to him. As you say, the occasion to do it in the stadium. And yes, he had a camera crew with him because he filmed the build-up. He filmed the shows. There's going to be maybe a Netflix or an Amazon special. And then you had somebody going like, okay, so you've got four minutes, so you've got six minutes. And this has happened to me many times where they then stand behind the artist just over their shoulder. And that's what really, it's just, your oh, heart's going like, yeah, it's like, horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. And not just that, I'll tell you one thing more. They went out the door and then came back in the door about 90 seconds into the interview. And I was sitting right. going like, I have given so <laughs> many hours of my life up waiting on this moment. And after yeah. 90 seconds, because I checked, in the whenever I, my recording of it, you came back in that door after ninety. Are you kidding me? Anyway, yeah, I think I got five six minutes, so I was very conscious of sticking to that. And then I said to him, "Can I get a photo with you?" And he went, "You betcha!" So I stood up and I handed my colleague Paul Kennedy my phone. Like, quick, take a picture. But Garth, as cool as a cucumber, went. Why don't we open those doors and go down there and get the stadium in the background? And so he was in no rush. It's always right. the people around them, you know. That's it. That's it. Do you know what I've just done now as well? Because we're reflecting the 2022, right? Yeah. I'm awful. I feel like I have an awful memory and I forget things or whatever. But what I have done is just pulled up my phone to look through photos of what I was doing in 2022 uh-huh. to kind of trigger some uh, some concerts. That I did obviously mention C2C Dublin, right? Luke Combs that night was epic. Russell Dickerson was such a dark horse, much better than I expected. Kip Moore maybe stole the show, kind of the headliner before the headliner, so to speak. He was on before Miranda Lambert. C2C Dublin was wonderful last year. I'm not sure I have as high expectations this year, but look, might surprise us all. Looking forward to C2C next year. Um, Shorty, any other big moments from your, your past year? I'm finally now potty trained. No, um... Well, I want to ask you, what was the reality of Nashville? Because the first time I went, it wasn't what I was expecting. It was a very different place. What do you think? It was. And actually, I was almost, I don't want to say let down, but I was almost a little bit let down by certain bits of it. Broadway was just a country music Las Vegas. It was carnage. Do you know what? So I'll tell you a story, okay? The girlfriend and I were staying at, I want to say it was the... Marriott, Town Place, Nashville, Midtown, right? So we're talking 20-minute walk. By the way, in the morning, how the heck is Nashville hotter than Orlando and Georgia, Uh by the way? How did that happen? It was so hot. We were walking in like 30-degree heat, and I was literally dripping by the time I reached Broadway. First night, girlfriend and I were like, all right, let's go explore Nashville, okay? So me being my usual. I was sitting this to a colleague recently at the BBC, right? I kind of get on with her like you get on with me. Right. Whereas I feel like I, on the podcast, I'm maybe the more serious one. Right, okay. <laughs> and not in a good way. <laughs> but anyway, I'm more normally like you, having a bit of crack and so on. I jump into the lift on the way down uh, from the hotel, right? We're going to go explore Nashville. It's a pack lift. We're in like the fifth floor. There's so many floors above us. But I go, room for a little one, <laughs> right? Me and the girlfriend jump in. I was like, oh, don't worry. I'm not English. I'm Irish. You, right? And then everyone was like, you. <laughs> Not really, just in my head. Anyway, so on the way down the left, we got talking to a few people about Ireland and said they're coming to Ireland and so on. It ended up being two private pilots, okay, and one private air hostess. And they were like, well, we're going into town anyway. Do you want to share an Uber? And we're like, sure, we'll hop an Uber with you. Sweet. Hopped into, into Nashville and we went to Hattie B's, get some famous hot chicken in Nashville and Broadway, okay. 
we were planning to go there and uh, they were like, well, we'll go too. And so we ended up sitting with them, right? But I remember just getting there and seeing, you know, the Nashville Predators, Bridgestone Arena, sitting right there, looking down Broadway going, it was carnage. It was absolute carnage. So we finally got in, had our Hattie B's, hot chicken, lovely, hiccuped a lot, it was great. Came out though, ended up going to, uh, going into Broadway then. Still with them, right? You know, we were having a good time. We planned to maybe go off on our own or whatever and do our own thing. But also, right, I had just started a bank account with Chase before I left. Chase Bank, you know, I get bigger in the UK and so on. Shout out Chase. Anyway, didn't have the Chase card with me, but I did have it in contactless, okay? But Americans aren't great at contactless. And why is that? Because they like tips, and I don't think it, it takes away the option uh, of the tip, right? Okay. So I had Chase, I had a Chase card, but the Chase card was back in my wash bag back in the hotel. If you were going to rob me in a hotel, check my wash bag. Anyway, I uh, had the card loaded onto my phone, and I had my Monzo card, which is a MasterCard, and I had another card and a credit card as well. So I was like, you know, we'll be fine. Went into Nudie's Honky Tonk, okay? Ended up drinking with these two private pilots in the private aero's desk all night. But I went to buy a round of drinks. Tried to use contactless. We don't do that here. I was like, oh, sorry to offend you. Here's a card. Declined. Had plenty of money in it, thank God, right? Declined. Tried even using the, the credit card, right? Declined. I was like, oh my God. I then tried, there was an ATM at the end of the charge, like, I don't know, something scandalous, like $5 to take money out. Couldn't do that either. I went back to these guys and I was like, like you'll never believe this. Like I've tried everything here. Don't worry about it. You can get us in Ireland. They ended up buying Rihanna and I drinks all night. And in Nashville too, mate, we got drunk. <laughs> My dad contacts me because this is a kind of a, you know, we each have a credit card. It's kind of like a family account kind of thing, right? I wouldn't have thought to use that. It was only for an emergency sort of thing. I was like, look, put it in that. I'll pay the exchange rate or whatever. I'll buy a few drinks and I'll just pay it back later or whatever. But the best part about this story my dad contacts me and goes, uh, I see the cards being declined at a place called Nudies. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple times I was like, right, let me just stop it right there. It's not what you think. <laughs> My experience in Asheville was, uh, was mixed. Yeah, Broadway was a little bit overwhelming, a little bit more like a country Las Vegas. But there were those real, raw, enjoyable moments, you know, where you saw the kind of, you still saw the beauty from the pedestrian bridge. You looked out onto that river. We went to see the Tennessee Titans Stadium. We saw fair few NFL stadiums when we were on our travels in America. Uh, went to the Ryman, went to the Opry. So some great moments. So uh, some parts of Nashville were a miss, but a, a lot of Nashville was a hit. Did you get out to the Bluebird Cafe? I didn't because it is quite a bit outside. Yeah. And the reason I didn't was because as well, I had a look at who was on many, many times. And I was like, if it's that far out of the way, we've already got so much to do and it's not somebody I'm dying to see. Maybe I'll save it for next time when it's an artist. I'd, I'd love to, to sit down in an intimate occasion and see. I remember being at the Bluebird and I sat down and there was an older guy sitting beside me and he was like, hey, where are you from? And chatting away, chatting away. And next thing, a bit of hush as the performance starts. And as it starts, this guy leans down, opens his guitar case. I didn't even know he was singing, right? Lifts the guitar out. And then sort of like four people in a circle and they all take turns introducing themselves and singing a song and talking a bit about the story behind the song. Like an in the round style. Yes. So it eventually comes round to this guy and he introduces himself as Tony Arada and says, here's a song I wrote that was recorded by a guy who you might know, Garth Brooks. And he starts to sing the dance. 
<laughs> when I then realized who he was and that sort of changed the dynamic of the conversation. And I said, look, what is it like to have written a song like that that will live forever? He was like, I've written thousands of songs that nobody will ever hear and nobody cares about. And I thought that was such a humble quote. Hey Amen. I think it says a lot about Nashville that you don't know who you're going to run into. A regret I had was that uh, my phone wasn't sending text messages. Look, you might not have answered it anyway, but the girlfriend and I had a night in Belfast drinking with Charlie Warsham once upon a time. Yeah. Charlie Warsham, who was supposed to support Lucy Silvas at a gig that never happened. And then he was wanting to play at a local place. I was ringing around bars trying to book a place for Charlie Warsham to play. I'm not even joking because he had come in and had a session at the Radio Ulster Studios earlier that day. Got to chat with him for ages and ages and played some amazing songs. That session was incredible. Maybe see if I can play a bit of that in the pod. Anyway, he was playing at the Opry that night I was there. And I was like, again, another kind of full circle moment. I was like, this is crazy. And the girlfriend and I are there. We spent a night with you drinking in Belfast. I had his phone number and my phone wasn't sending text messages. I couldn't send text messages and the WhatsApp. I don't think he, he had WhatsApp or whatever. Maybe he's just trying to avoid me. Maybe he's blocked me. Sorry, Charlie. What did I do? Uh-huh. But that night he won like ACM musician of the year or something. Wow. And I was just like, man, I was sitting there like on the, my Vodafone app trying to like unblock my like spending limit so that I could like send this text. It was bloody annoying as hell. Anyway, um, I was just wanting to send the guy a message to be like, you'll never believe like we're here. Just wanted to like, say congratulations in person. And also I've still got a video from that night, like a six minute video, quite a good video of him finding out about this for the first time. Yeah. I'm sure there were other videos there as well, but uh, what a moment for him. Musician of the year, finally an award for a guy so unrecognized in, in country music. But anyway, we'll move past Nashville. We'll move well, past the Opry. We'll be- I have a very, for me, embarrassing Charlie Horsham story. Go for it. Charlie was in the venue. It was the limelight. I saw Lucy Silva's, her husband from Brothers Osborne was there too. Oh yeah. And uh, so everybody was there and then the show was ultimately cancelled. But about halfway through the interview, water started running out of one of my eyes. Not to kill the rhythm of the interview, but I was like, I'm really sorry, but I wear contact lenses and sorry, one's really nipping me here. But as I was saying, and asked him another question and he answered it. And I was trying to almost move the contact around just by facial expressions, probably looked a bit demented. But I remember at one point saying to him, why is my eye so sore? And he went, hey, man, I'm not an optician. <laughs> we'll move past Nashville. We'll move past maybe um, some of our kind of physical enjoyable moments from 2022 and talk about maybe some of the songs, albums, artists and so on that we enjoyed in 2022. 2022 highlights. We'll not put a number on this, but surely if you want to hit me with something, go for it. Ashley Cook, a song called Never Till Now. More recently, she re-recorded it with Brett Young. Never saw myself with a white picket fence dug into the ground. Never till now. She's actually appearing at C2C next year in definitely London. She might be at the Glasgow one as well, I'm not sure. Well, we talked last week a little bit about flower shops going platinum. This is the Ernest Morgan Wallen song, by the way, I'm talking about here. But I think it was actually out in 2021. So I will say that the acoustic version dropped in 2022 and just talk about it because it was a little bit raw a little bit maybe more real and flower shops big highlight of mine for 2022 it's a good day for flower shops I'm just trying to think of the verse let me get this right i took up drinking since she took the time to tell me i took the best years of her life oh what a series like yeah 
Incredible, man. Flower Shops was a huge highlight of mine. It was so country. It sounded so country. I'm a huge fan of Ernest. Ernest has come onto my radar fast inside the last 12 months, and uh, I would put him top 10 artists for me in all of country music. Do you know what's funny? You know the way Morgan Wallen, he very much works closely with Ernest and Hardy. Yep. But it's funny when you listen to each of their music individually. So when you listen to like Ernest's album, you can hear that softer side of Morgan Wallen's music. And then with a lot of Hardy stuff, you hear the more rockier, harder edge. And I thought this was all very much influenced by producer Joey Moy. But I think it's equally to do with the team he surrounds himself with. Very much so. Um, Hardy, obviously, you know, that kind of whole the Mockingbird and the Crow kind of am I rock, am I country kind of thing going on. Oh, he's so rocky as well. Gosh, you know what I'm just thinking of right now? Hardy's song, Sign Sober You. I swear, that must be one of my favourite country songs of all time. You'll thank me in the morning like you always do. Sign Sober You. That is such an underrated song. So look, Flower Shops is one of my big hits. The coming together of Ernest and Morgan Wallen. Flower Shops, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't reach number one. I don't think so. But I like that. I like the fact that everybody's aware of it. It didn't hit number one. And yet I don't think I've seen a year end list from either critics or fans so far that hasn't had it within their top five or 10 songs of the year. Is this the age we're living in? Does US country radio matter as much? Maybe it does. Certainly for, for maybe making somebody's career or whatever. But in the age of streaming, my goodness, you know, um, epic. Again, in no particular order, but because we mentioned Hardy there, Wait in the Truck with Lainey Wilson has got to oh. be one of the best songs of the year. Wait in the truck, just wait in the truck. I would agree. Even the music video, as I said to you before in a previous podcast, you're, I'm so like anti-music video, but that music video hit hard. That was epic. So the song for those unaware is about well, effectively a victim of abuse. Uh, and that's played by Kenalini Wilson's character in the song and in the video. Hardy plays the guy that sees this woman broken down and beaten down in the middle of a road, wandered in the rain or whatever, and effectively comes to her rescue, but goes beyond that. I'm thinking about that lyric, you know, I don't know if he's an angel because mm-hmm. angels don't do what he did because he went out of his way then to kill effectively the character that abused Lainey, you know, that character. What a hard-hitting song. I still haven't played it in the radio. I think you and I are split on this. You have played it in the radio. I haven't. I don't know if I would. To move away from that, I think you'll get this one right. If I just do this. Haley Witters. The whiskey to your soda. The lime to your Corona. Shotgun to your Tacoma. The Audrey to your hand. I'm everything she is. And everything she ain't. <laughs> everything she ain't. Haley Witters. In fact, that entire raised album. What a success. Back to you, Strudy. Hit me. Gotta be Megan Maroney, Tennessee Orange. A girl who, up until a few weeks ago, I'd never even heard of. And now I'm even finding myself watching her performing covers on YouTube. She does a great version of Chris Stapleton's Either Way. Baby, you can't go or you can't stay. I've just pulled up the lyrics to Tennessee Orange because I was listening to this literally last night. Uh, I was putting it into a show for the radio. But there was a lyric that struck me in here. I'm just going to read it through. I was listening last night. 
in Georgia, they call it a sin. I'm wearing Tennessee orange for him. If you're familiar with college football, Georgia being the Georgia Bulldogs wearing red, there is a lyric about that as well. And he's got a smile that makes me forget. I've always looked better in red, but I'm wearing Tennessee orange for him. I mean, we talked about this common theme, Tennessee football, Tennessee fan with Morgan Wallen. There's a Connor Smith song as well. Isn't that right? Yep. It's doing the rounds, but this was probably the best of that bunch. But again, I don't even think it's the strength of the song, which is there. But her voice is just, when she goes deep, all I hear is Cheryl Crow. And then she's got a breathy element to her voice that reminds me of Kelsey Ballerini. Epic song. And hair salon as well. Excited to see what comes of of Megan Maroney. Because she's signed a major label deal now, hasn't she? Within the past few weeks with Sony Music Nashville and Columbia, when she originally moved to Nashville, as a lot of people do, you have to get like a, a job, like be it bartending, waitressing, whatever. But she moved to Nashville and became like a, an influencer. You know, so she would treat influence in like a day job. So she would do it from like the hours of nine to five. And she was making videos endorsing products. And she applied the same methods of promoting products on social media as she did with her music, which I think is genius. The color orange, the that word, so synonymous with country music these days, something in the orange, Zach Bryan, obviously a huge song of the year. Was it a highlight for me? Yeah, like I enjoyed it very much. So um, I don't know if I loved it any more than other Zach Bryan songs, though. I seem to be more aboard the Zach Bryan train than you. Something in the orange tells me we're not done. I just thought you were a very excited fan, but I actually think you're onto something, and I wasn't. Speaking of being onto something, do you remember we had Rachel McIntyre-Smith on the pod? Uh-huh. I would go as far as to say that was a highlight of my 2022. Her song, Glory Days, came out of nowhere, hit me. And it was like, as I said to you before, it was like this kind of like Tennessee foggy kind of think back to high school, almost, I don't say midlife crisis, but like quarter life crisis. Epic song. Because now I'm Highlight of mine for 2022, we had her on the pod. If you'd like to hear more of Richard McIntyre Smith, go and listen to that episode. It's still up on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your your podcasts. Amazing conversation. And uh, we went deep into her plans for music, but she's been recognized by Gritty Smith. She's got a lot of momentum, it seems, from that song, Glory Days. I'm really excited to see where she goes next year. This podcast is new. We're trying to build it. And I appreciate the fact that she's she seems to be like liking a lot of our posts and supporting us in the same way that you very much are supporting her music. Can I just also say that I adore Muscadine Bloodline from the moment that I think it was actually my girlfriend showed me Porch Swing Angel in the first place, right? But their album, Dispatch to 16th Avenue, I don't know if I've ever been in the past, say, 18 months, if I was excited for an album more so than that to be released and hit you smack right up the face, dying for a living. I mean... <laughs> And they're independent as well, which I find crazy. Again, independent. Yeah. Yeah. This seems to be a recurring theme, doesn't it? Next song, surely next artist, next album. Something I find myself going back to since it came out earlier this year, Kip Murr's revisited version of Crazy One More Time. So this is a song that featured on his first album, Up All Night, back in 2012. And then during the pandemic, himself and a producer, a ranger, decided to basically redo the song the way they wished it had been done the first time because obviously it's a song that's become a real fan favourite at his 
concerts over the years. It was never before this year released as a single. And I thought it was going to do big things. It kind of sank without trace, but I, I really love the newer version of it. And girl, tonight, let's go crazy one more time. And of course, look at this 2023. We're excited for Kit Murray to come to Belfast. Yeah. If I was to mention just a few other songs, Carousel, Miranda Lambert. She only misses Harlan when she hears the carousel. Russell Carney Line, 49 Winchester. That one kind of hit me out of nowhere. But I wish I was in Virginia on the Russell County Line. Uh, loved Ernest's album, Flower Shop, the album. Uh, loved uh, Tennessee Queen. We were talking about Tennessee Orange there. A lot of kind of Elvis, Graceland, links or metaphors. Oh, I can be your Elvis honey. You can be my Tennessee queen. Parker McCollum, Handle on You. I was so surprised to see number one on Grady Smith's list. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I finally got a handle. Finally got a handle on you. Other albums I just give a shout out from this year. Emily Scott Robinson is an artist that initially actually Eve on the Late Show at Radio Ulster showed me. And then I actually saw Grady Smith giving her a bit of love. But her American Siren album, if you're ever looking for just a bit of quiet time to yourself and songs that really have a lot of meaning and are very kind of raw and understated and underproduced almost, maybe, dare I say, female Zach Bryan-esque. And she's got a heck of a voice as well. But her American Siren album from this year, unbelievable. Well worth your time. Other albums that I made albums of the week as well. I've just written down here, Stuart, that I'll just share with you. I wonder, do you have any of these in common? Miranda Lambert, Palomino. Best album, I think, this year. Is that right? You'd have it as your best album this year. I would throw maybe Midland, the last resort greetings from. I enjoyed that album. I wouldn't say it was the best of the year by any means. Uh, Morgan Wade, Reckless. And then, of course, the deluxe release, right? But I actually think, dare I say, and bring back up Brett Eldridge again, his songs about you album might have been my favorite album of 2022. Wow, okay. I think we've talked about this before. I preferred the previous one, Sunday Drive. Songs like Hideaway, Where the Light Meets the Sea, just hit me. In the place where the light meets the sea. He can have so much fun and then slow it down and just break your heart. And that is the versatility I'm after. There's a common theme. So Brett is managed by a guy called John Peets, who also looks after like Eric Church, Brothers Osborne, Ashley McBride. And I love the fact that all of his artists, they do their own thing. They don't try and like, they don't go chasing hits and they are proper artists. Any other highlights for you from 2022? Well, you're talking there about albums. Just to add to that, I would say towards the end of last year, Zach Brown Band put out an album called The Comeback. And then this year they put out a deluxe edition and they re-recorded some of the songs with people like Cody Johnson, Blake Shelton, James Taylor, Jamie Johnson, Marcus King, Jimmy Buffett. Because it's a strange thing to do to go back to an album a year later and re-record the songs. But I think it's just a gorgeous listen. And, you know, particularly the collaboration with Cody Johnson. Wild Palomino. You can't put reins on a wild Palomino when you won't see this old cowboy cry. Oh, what a song, man. You know, how do you make anything better? Add Cody to anything. <laughs> like he was one of my top five artists for a reason. Anything he touches turns to gold as far as I'm concerned. Was it a girl there you mentioned, Emily Scott Robinson? Yeah. Sort of similar, big songwriter, now putting out music herself. Emily Westband, 
she put a song out called Deathbed. On my deathbed, hope I'm there next to you. She's written songs for Danielle Bradbury, Lauren Elena, Thomas Rhett, Dan and Shay, FGL, Jordan Davis. Here's a random one. She actually got married earlier this year and then, you know, spent her honeymoon in Southern Ireland. Wow. Random. Come on back. And very funny, actually, if you follow her on social media, she's very quirky. Another artist worth looking out for, Katie Offerman, a song called Don't Do It in Texas. Do you know that? Okay. No, I'm not familiar. So don't do it in Texas If you're saying goodbye Real country backstory. Born and raised in Texas on a ranch and her father homeschooled her in a barn. And then she started playing piano at four. She picked up the guitar at like six. Then she moved on to like the fiddle, which is now her main instrument. And I think she has the most stunning voice herself and uh, other stuff that stood out. I mean, Scotty McCreary's Damn Straits. I think that's a song that will just be in his set for forever. Yeah, good radio hit. Makes for a good, you know. Cast your mind back to the good old days of George Strait and Scotty is so neo traditional, isn't he? Damn straight, you're killing your man. You know I've always been your biggest fan. Even the music video was filmed at Green Hall in Texas, where I mean it's the oldest still operating dance hall in the world. It was built in 1878, and it's where George Strait and his band, the Ace and the Whole Band, you know, played before he got signed. Chambers must be one of the oldest places in America because yeah. they always come over here, see something like the Ulster Hall and go, what? It was built when? <laughs> I would add on to that. I know you're a massive fan. Carly Pierce and Ashley McBride never wanted to be that girl. I never wanted to be that girl. It's only the third all-female duet to ever top the country charts. Wow. After Reba McIntyre and Linda Davis, Does He Love You back in... 1993, and then earlier on in this year, uh, Miranda Lambert and Elle King's Drunk and I Don't Want to Go Home. So isn't it weird that only three have ever done it and two of them have been this year? Just, just shows you how regressive <laughs> country music movie is still. And I don't know. Jelly Roll, Son of a Sinner. Yes, yes. I'm just a long-haired son of a sinner. I'm looking forward to kind of this next 12 months with Jelly Roll. I feel like Jelly Roll will be a big artist for me going forward. Yeah. Because again, I mean, he's I, in that sort of earnest, hardy, Morgan Wallen kind of little school of, uh, what would you call that? The school of hard country. <laughs> well, funny you say that, right? So sometimes it's just pure luck and circumstance. Like, so he wrote Son of a Sinner with a guy called David Ray Stevens and Ernest. So I still block like weeks off at a time in studios and I go write and record the album at the same time, like an old rock band. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much just immerse ourselves in 15 hour days. We just sit in there and drink until the magic shows up. You know, we're here now. You just got to wait for the magic of songwriting to show up, right? And we were later in the album at that point. I felt like I had a really solid album, so there was no pressure in the room. We didn't know Ernest was coming. We were kind of over it. Mm-hmm. And then Ernest was next door picking up. I, I always tell the story different because I don't remember what he was doing. I should ask him one day, but it was like <laughs> ribs or something for his wife that wasn't ready at the barbecue pit. Martin's next to Sound Emporium. Mm-hmm. He's like, you still sound important. Like, he's like, I'm gonna come over. Let's smoke one, and we did. And we had a couple shots, and and Ernest broke out his guitar. And you know, I got the video footage from it. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the video soon of that whole night because I, I documented the whole session. Went to Martin's Barbecue by the way in Nashville. Epic, big queue. If there's a big queue anywhere, it's usually pretty good, right? Also, shot at the Pancake Pantry. That was enjoyable. Other places <laughs> I didn't mention earlier. 
<laughs> the fact that we've gone from shouting out independent artists to eating hot spots. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Um, well, is that it? I know we've mentioned the album Palomino, but um, Miranda Lambert, if I was a cowboy, if only for the line. On a whiskey and up my feelings. Because that kind of sums up me. <laughs> is that how you're going to be? Any New Year's resolutions for 2023, Stuart? I want to lose a bit of weight. I want to get my drinking under control. I just want to literally finish off with, and it's only, I think, just been released today. I never thought it was going to come out as a single. Charles Kelly's As Far As You Could. Did you just go, speaking of drink? No, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I just mean it's what twigs something in my brain. But yeah, so this is a song that he wrote with Dave Haywood from Lady A and Jimmy Robbins. And Charles says it's his goodbye letter to alcohol. And I just think it's stunning. Because you took me that's the soundtrack to your 2023 shirt most people say i want to make a million dollars or i want to buy a new car i just want to get my drinking under control what about yourself john (laughs) we could all we could all lose a bit of weight um maybe that maybe that and uh to continue to leave with a heart shirt to enjoy some damn good country music and uh to have a good year whatever it may whatever may happen with it I don't know. I hope in 2023 to finally, finally kiss a girl. <laughs> and on that note, that was episode 10 of Free Ramble Men, a country <laughs> music podcast with your Bamford and John Kerr. We do hope, uh, that's, that's kind of a nice number to go out of the year with, isn't it? 10, 10 under our belts here in 2022. Yeah, I like that. That was uh, fun. If anybody's still listening, thanks. Until next year, Stuart, what are we going to do? There's a legendary presenter at the place I work called Big T who signs off every show in this creepy way. I can't use any other wording. So he'll say to his listeners like, Night night. He kisses them. So that's me blowing you a wee kiss. Keep rambling for you, everybody. <laughs> you coughed there in a way that it was Ooh. almost like a scene from The Exorcist. Like you were <laughs> I think there was another person inside me there. That's yeah. Oh my god! It was like Phoebe and Fred. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>